Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Bobby Moore has a Jeff Hurst. The trailer booking at Billy Bones. Paolo DiCaglio. West Ham United. We celebrate our victories. We stick together in the field. It's 25th of February, it's a cold Monday evening, we're not in the studio, we're on our way to West Ham Spurs, it's episode 23, more than just a podcast and I'm with George. And Sarah, hello Sarah Hello No Reese and no John I think they're watching the game From the comfort by the fire Nice cup of cocoa watching the game From their armchairs there as well Yes, it's a little bit cold um, But the team's just come out No Noble uh, Who's up front, John? George? Sorry, what was the question? Well, the team's just come out. Uh, Andy Carroll was up front. And who else? Uh, Joe Colt and Matt Jarvis. I haven't seen the team at all, that's why I'm asking you, George. Anyway, there's, uh, we're leaving a little bit early. We just had a quick one in the black line. Uh, quick pint. We've had our chicken burgers. And we're now going early, 20 minutes early to the game, so we can see all the Bobby Moore memorial stuff, can't we? I just dropped my tissue and it's disgusting. Yes, alright. That's uh, that's a really interesting thing. Anyway, we'll speak to you when we get to the bowling. So we just we just got outside the bowling. Uh, we're all here early and there's Nathan here who's coming along with us. Nathan, what do you reckon it's going to be today? What's the score going to be? 2-1 West Ham. <laughs> yeah, who's going to score? Um, Andy Carroll and Shamak off the bench. <laughs> Shamak off the bench. Sam, big Sam. I, I, I didn't recognise you. You haven't been to a game for so long now. You've got your new job in IT. So, Sam, uh, what's it going to be today? What, what do you reckon? How's he going to set up? 2-1 West Ham, Nolan and Penalty. But Noble ain't playing, is he? No, Noble's injured. Nolan twice. <laughs> yeah? How's he going to set up? 4-4-2? Four, Oh no, have a laugh. Uh, eight, two, one. <laughs> that 
821 classic. Anyway, we're going to go in in a minute. We've just got to buy a programme. £4, 50p, goes to the Bobby Moore Fund, doesn't it, Sarah? Yes, it has. Yes, it does, and I have bought my programme. Have you got... So we welcome to more than just a podcast. Uh, we haven't heard from him for a while. I don't know where he's been. Or maybe I've not been up to him. Adam Jackson. Well, you know I don't miss games, so it's you, isn't it? Yeah, well, I've been going to games. I just haven't bothered coming up because we haven't been doing many outside broadcasts. Where's your lover? <laughs> My lover. Well, actually, my lover is having an X-ray on either his broken arm or his broken leg um, and giving his season ticket to his neighbour. This is Gavin. Yeah, Gavin. Yeah. Yeah. So this, you, this could be his third or fourth game that he's missed over the last... I don't know, seven, eight years? Shocking, shocking. Anyway, any memories of Bobby Moore or anything about Bobby Moore? Did you ever meet the man? No, I'm, I'm only 37. Is that true? No, I know, I may not look it. I'm short and bald, but I am only 37. D- how about you? Uh, I did meet the man, yeah, and I, uh, I got my picture taken with him in 1980. Right. So, yeah. Well, I, no, I never met him, and um, to be honest, I didn't see him play because I started coming here back in 87, so I never saw him. I never met him, unfortunately. Anyway, there's no point in carrying this conversation on. No. Anyway, let's talk about the game, right? You're always a pragmatist about this. You know, Gareth Bale, this is one we should lose, isn't it? I'm absolutely not worried about Gareth Bale at all. What I am worried about is Gary O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How about Mark Noble, injured, got a trapped nerve in his arm or something, injured. And uh, Guy DeMail is going to be the one who's going to be tasked with holding on to Gareth Bale. Um, well, they'll have to double up on him, won't they? Maybe triple up on him. But I don't think he's the only threat. We've just got to take our chances. I don't think we want to sit back and let them come. We want to go to them. We want to put it on them. You know, get Joko on the ball as much as we can. And we just we just want to get at them, really. Who's the goal's going to come from our way? Um, maybe James Collins, really, from a set piece. <laughs> hey, you know? Ginger Pelé. What do you think? Uh, I think we'll probably lose this game, but I'll go for an optimistic draw. Uh, I just think we'll park the bus. I think we'll put, you know, 11 men behind the ball and uh, just try and get on the break and it won't work. Well, it's like what you tweeted earlier, actually, about the West Ham philosophy and we're expecting to lose, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to be surprised. See, I'm still expecting to lose and this philosophy only works if I expect us to lose. Yeah. So, push your uh, prediction. Um, 5 0. 5 0 to who? A- anyone. <laughs> anyway, last thing. You've got, you got the police right up against you. You've got a lot of Tottenham today. Going to be any trouble with our friends from the Met? Well, we've had a little discussion with our um, Tottenham fans over to our left. It's been, uh, which has been pleasant. And um, as for the police, what are they? Metropolitan Police. They can be a little bit rowdy. But, you know, you just smile. As long as you smile while you're having banter, you're okay. Anyway, thank you, Adam Jackson. Send our love to Gavin. Yes, I will. And uh, let's hope we get the result. 5-0. Indeed, enjoy the game. What, for us going down? And then we've got uh, Rob, who's just arrived, Sam's dad. He usually talks a lot of sense. What's the prediction for today, Rob? My prediction is 1-0. And I actually think that Gary O'Neill will score the goal. 
I, I hope you're right. Uh, we're talking about Bobby Moore today. Now, you, you saw Bobby play, because I bought a programme off you that was signed by Bobby Moore, and it's one of my prized possessions. Tell me about how you got it, or did you just fake it yourself? In 1976, I was sitting in the West Side Lower and uh, with my dad, and I looked to the side, and he said to me, there's a great Bobby Moore. And uh, I was, approached Bobby Moore, and he came up to me, made a fuss of me, and actually signed my programme. And you pulled it off me for 100 quid. Yeah, and, yeah, I know, and I, I am grateful for that because it is. I framed it. It's one of my possessions. Worth a thousand pounds? No, it's not. It's not. There's lots of Bobby Moore. No, he's uh, genuine. You can even see the uh, name scrubbed out for the substitutes on the back. Yeah, I know. And grateful I am to it. Right. So you said one nil, Gary O'Neill. One nil, Gary O'Neill. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to laugh out loud. Anyway, come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Words of wisdom. 2-1 tonight. Who two, Andy? I'm confident. That says it all. <laughs> West Ham. Who's going to score the goals, Andy? Oh, I don't really care. Maybe Carroll might nick one. Who knows? If he's playing, I don't know. Shemak. No, I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, last one. Are you Bobby Moore stories? You've always got a Bobby Moore story or two. Good player. That's all I can say. Yeah. Anyway, let's see if we can do it. I'd love it to be a 2 1. You're the most negative, pessimistic person I know at West Ham. And if you say 1 2 1, I'll take that from you, Andy Probably be 5 0 now at Tottenham. <laughs> I would say yes, but I might get a lifetime ban.
versus Tottenham. Mamodi Army George he thinks he's better than he is very tame shot yes but promising after nine minutes yes with a better side keep it going West Ham let's push them so close after ten minutes to getting the opener by Matt Jarvis good move by Matt Jarvis we could get the lead here if we carry on like this George yes and back to find out just went for a wee and find out that Bales just scored to the 1-0 down after 13 minutes George I missed it thank God what happened Demel gave the ball away on the edge of the area and to Gareth Bale who pulled out a worldy finish as he does often yeah 13 minutes unlucky for us 1-0 down penalty to West Ham and we haven't got Mark Noble who's going to take the penalty who's going to take the penalty Andy Carroll's going to take the penalty no Mark Noble come on Andy come on Andy
back, but penalty not given by the ref. Four minutes gone, still West Ham one, Spurs one. Linen, George. You've got to give him credit for that. I get nervous every time it gets anywhere near him. You want to say yes, don't you? Anyway, we've only got about one minute to half time. Yassis keeps in it. There's a Tottenham corner. Bale drills it in. It's cleared at the front post, surely. No. 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 Another go. Have another That's go. another corner. Have another another go. go. Tottenham. Have another go. Oh, no. We got we got to keep it one one going into half. What do you think the half so time so far, Sarah? Yeah. Yeah. What have you got, Georgiitis? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Half time. West Ham one, Spurs one. Spirited performance by West Ham. Uh, but yeah, Gareth Bale made all the difference, but Andy Carroll levelled it up with a penalty. George, can we do it second half? Sorry? Can we do it second half? Have we got anything left in the tank? Yeah. Where's the goal going to come from? From open play, second half, or another penalty? Corner. Second half just kicked off. Still West Ham 1, Spurs 1. No surprise there. Would you like to uh, give a prediction halfway through? 1-1 one, one at the moment, Sarah. I, I said a draw, but I'm having a little feeling that we might nick this. What score? 2-1. Oh, good save by Yassi again. I know he gets a lot of grief from us, but that was another good save by him. Yeah, that would have been an own goal otherwise. So you're going to say what... What are you going to say? What are you going to say? We're getting a few boos down here at the moment. For Gareth Bale. It's not for you, is it? They're not booing at you, Sarah. Oh, another good save. I don't know what Yussi knew about. Yussi got a hand to that. Did he know anything about that? No, I don't think so. It just came at him really fast. Anyway, you're going to give a prediction before all this went on? Well, I was going to say I thought we could nick it, but at the start of the second half, I know it's only been two minutes, but it's been all them. So if we could stay at a draw, that would be great. I'm going to go 2-1. 2-1. What do you think then, Bruno? I know you've been in the pub since two. Are we going to win this? 1-1. One, one. Um... Something down, isn't it? Come on. Your concerns. Your concerns about how we approach it. You know I me. Mean? At the moment, we're approaching it very defensively. Go on, uh, go on, Elim. Go on. Final score. Bruno. 2 1 West Ham. Yeah. It's 1-1, 11 and a half minutes gone in the second half. 
one. Joe Cole, I think. Was it Joe Cole? Was it Joe Cole? Yes. Joe, Joe Cole. Cole. Thirteen minutes gone, it's Joe Cole, West Ham two, Spurs one. fingertip save from Jaskalainen and keeps it out of the goal. I don't know how it stayed out of the goal, but it has. Another fingertip save, just pushes it over the bar. It's a lot of Tottenham now. 24 minutes gone, the bougie can hear for Gareth Bale, who's coming to take another corner. And it's all Tottenham at the moment. Let's hope we can hold on. 24 minutes gone, second half. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Five minutes gone in the second half and they've got a free kick, Tottenham have, just in front of the six-yard box. We've got to get out of this rut or we're going we're gonna to concede a goal. Right over the bar. He's misfiring today, and we love that. Guy Demel goes off. And, and Mad Wolf, it's not Mad Wolf, is it? Mad Dog. Hogs comes on. Hogatex. Mad Wolf. That's his new name. That's my name for him, Mad Wolf. Oh. Has it gone in? Has it been given? been given it as two all two all I don't know referee's looking at it no, it's been given two all scramble in the goal 30 minutes gone West Ham two Tottenham two off comes Momoji Army and on comes Jackie Jackie Collison see if he can do some magic and get us the winner it's uh, 39 minutes gone now so only six minutes remaining six minutes remaining Bobby Moore six is Aaron Oman there chance of West Ham but not an omen four minutes remaining and Ginge Ginger Pele is taking in trouble if they break uh, Ginger Pele is taking a free kick everyone's up front for West Ham let's hope they don't break away you're not going early are you Bruno three minutes remaining no I've just come down because I'm sick of there's no singing up there stay with us Bruno Nineteen seconds of normal time, and uh, Spurs are, are oh, Spurs are throwing everything at us. I don't know how much injury time or maddy time is going to be. We we'll find out very soon. About a minute left now. Come on, Joey Cole. Unlucky. West Ham still trying. With less than thirty seconds left. Normal time. Oh bugger. With thirty seconds of normal time left, they've just. Score a 3-2. Fuck this. Disappointing. Disrespected Bobby. Yaskalainen got man of the match. Small consolation. Four minutes of added time, but nothing we can do with that now. Such a shame. 
Sarah, I don't know you don't want to talk right now, but we just have to finish off the podcast. It's disappointing. Very disappointing. Very disappointing. Two one up, and we fucked it up. Yeah, um, I'm not sure we fucked it up, really. I mean, obviously we lost. <laughs> but I thought we actually played quite well. It's just that we couldn't put away all our chances. Well, they hit the post quite a few times. George, I know you'll want to not want to speak, but I'm going to insist on one little bit. Disappointment. Could we have won it, or were they just too strong for us? Yes. Yeah. Anything else to add for the whole experience? You're tired, you're cold, and you want to go home, don't you? Yes. Well, that was George Bucci from more than just a podcast with his insightful insight of the game. So, uh, it finished full-time. West Ham 2, Spurs 3. The least we say about that, the better, because we're going to move on and we're only an outside broadcast. We've got to do predictions for Stoke Away, which is our next game. So, George, Stoke Away, what do you think? Yes. What will be the score? Yes. A win away or a draw or a loss? Yes. Sarah, Stoke away, win, what will be the scoreline? Not a win, no, we'll lose. By how many? Two or three, probably. Oh, God, we are depressed. I'm going to go for a cheeky 1-0 win, as always. Um, and how many times have you been right with that? I, uh, not very often, actually. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it's goodbye from me, Sean. It's goodbye from George. Bye. Goodbye from Sarah. Goodbye. And now we're just going to do a link. Uh, We've got part two of the Jeff Pike interview, and we'll be back next week on a Monday in the studio. Come on, you irons. (laughs) Well, let's let's do our last bit of reminiscing. Uh, 86. Uh, I I went to certainly every home game. Uh, Went to quite a few away ones. Didn't go to the old Trafford one. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, you know, that that, that was the... uh, Certainly, uh, in my era... Uh, the days we came third um, in the in the league, obviously Cotty and Macaveni were firing on all cylinders, and certainly uh, your your most famous goal. Everyone always talks about this: the header on 9th of March 1986, Old Trafford in the FA Cup fifth round. I mean, people talk about the Canio one. I, I went to the FA Cup replay where we just got knocked out Manu very recently. Uh, and people talk about Bartes and Di Canio, but you you set the bar to originally um, by by scoring that amazing header. You want to talk about that game? Well, it, it was uh, it, it was a strange game really because um, you know we we'd gone there without any real expectation. I don't think, uh, even though we had a, a, a good team and the team was going really well. It was still always going to be a difficult place to go to because Old Trafford is, you know, there's no getting away from that. Um, and, you know, it was, I'd, I'd actually been injured and, um, I can remember having a bandage on my knee for whatever reason, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, it, so it was a situation where I, I hadn't actually played a great deal that year and I wasn't playing a great deal that year through, through an injury that I'd had. And Neil Orr was in and around the team at the time as well. And, uh, so I, I sort of got back into the team and uh, and only played a few games that year, which was disappointing for me. But um, you know the team as a whole was was going terrifically well, so you couldn't really complain about that. But then when we got to the game, then it was uh, an FA Cup game, and 
and uh, you're, you're at Old Trafford. It just seems to bring a little bit more, a little bit extra to, to, the, to the tie. And um, it was the interesting thing was that Mark Ward actually took the corner. And I think uh, Chris Turner was in goal and Arthur Alberston was Manchester United's left back at the time. And he was standing on the, on the line uh, or by the post. Now, Chris Turner isn't the, the tallest of goalkeepers, and Arthur Alveston wasn't the tallest of players. Uh, but Mark took the corner, and uh, it sort of drifted towards the edge of the area, and I just headed it, and you know, without any real um, thought processes around it, I just sort of headed it in the general direction of the goal, and it just <laughs> flew off my head and went into the top corner above Arthur Alveston, who, as I say, was quite small, and Chris Turner just couldn't get to it. Um, and at the time, to score a header from sort of 18 yards out was quite sort of uh, novel, I suppose, in that sense. But the interesting thing afterwards was that um, uh, the, uh, the television uh, or the media wanted to, to interview both Mark and myself uh, regarding it. And um, uh, Mark and I came up with this uh, little uh, story that we were going to tell them that we'd actually practiced it on the training ground. <laughs> Uh, but in reality, what actually happened, Mark miscued the corner and it came in my general direction. So, uh, you know, it was, we, we had quite a laugh over, over it after the game, you know, and we, uh, you know, when they said that we'd practiced it, it was reported that we'd practiced it on the training ground. Right. The secret's uh, out now, then. have a little bit of a chuckle over that. Yeah, the secret's out, but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure most people would, uh, um, would realise that <laughs> we're not likely to practice something like that on the training ground. Yeah. Okay, let's let's bring it up to modern days. Obviously, uh, West Ham back in the Premiership this year. Is is that some? Are you still involved with the club? Do you ever get to go with any games of your commitments? Um, uh, I haven't actually been able to go this season through uh, through my uh, uh, commitments to, to the FA where I work at the present time. Uh, but I have done some uh, some of the corporate stuff in the past. Last season, I was meant to do a couple prior to Christmas, but. Through uh, work commitments, uh, I, was, I, I had to cancel that, and uh, I'm hoping that at some point between now and the end of the season, I'll be able to get over and, and have a look. Um, uh, from all intents and purposes, you know, I've seen uh, seen games on the television, I've seen the reports and things like that, and you know, it seems like uh, from from what I can gather, and speaking to friends who are uh, uh, season ticket holders over there, that uh, you know things are going probably as well as can be expected. Um, I think the the, uh, the main aim for this season would would be to maintain status in the in the Premier League and then move on from there. And uh, I, I just uh, hope that Sam's given the opportunity to be able to do that and build on what he's got. Uh, the interesting thing was that the the fans at West Ham were were very anti Sam when uh, when he came in because of his um, uh, so-called uh, style of play. Uh, but uh, I think the West Ham fans have warmed a little bit more to Sam Allardyce now, and I think that you know the work that he's doing, and uh, from what I've heard, the stuff he does at the training ground and the way the club is run now is much more professional than it's been for a long, long while. Uh, so, in, in my opinion, the, the only way that for West Ham at its present time is to go forward. Uh, there might be a little dip, uh, which has you know presently happened, where results have not been uh, the best. But speaking to people, should have beaten Queen's Park Rangers at the weekend. Uh, And uh, unfortunately, um, the other night against Arsenal wasn't the best. But 
you know, to compete with the big teams, then there needs to be some big investment. And over that period of time, and as long as West Ham can maintain their status in the Premier League, I'm sure that there'll be some uh, uh, some interesting things uh, coming along. Yeah, well, I've met Sam a couple of times. I've been very impressed with him, as you say. Fans are warming to him, and and you know, underline everything you just said, which is, you know, everybody's saying, uh, you know, involved in the club and fans, we're the most organised we've ever been. Uh, yeah, we've had a little dip, and you always get a few fans, you know, stand out after we've lost one game against Arsenal at Emirates. Sure. But you know, that's West Ham way. You know, we we, we shout, we're, we're very passionate when when we win. We back the manager, and when we lose, we we vent our frustrations. So, uh, final question. Um, obviously, there's a proposed move to Stratford Olympic Stadium. Um, is this where, where do you sit on on the whole Olympic Stadium debate? Uh, well, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Um, you know, it's it's a, a chicken and egg scenario. Um, do you build the team and get the team in a situation where? They can compete at the highest level, then move on, which could then be detrimental to the team, because you know the way moving on then might be the situation where things have to change with personnel to maintain that status, uh, a new stadium, or do you do it the other way around and go to the stadium first and then build the team after? Um, I think the, the major consideration is maintaining status in the Premier League. If they do that, um, I, I actually have no real um, uh, qualms about West Ham leaving Upton Park and going to, to the Olympic Stadium. Um, I think, you know, it, it, you know, the progress has to be made in some way to get the ground into a, situ- into a situation where it's going to hold more, more supporters is, is an impossibility where the club is at the moment. Uh, so I'm probably erring on the side of going to the Olympic Stadium and making a go of it and going uh, down that route and becoming, you know, sort of one of the, uh, hopefully, getting the stadium first and then building the team afterwards. Whether that will have a detrimental effect, I don't know. But um, I think, you know, what, what we've got to consider is times move on. And, you know, the, the, the club is probably limited in where it can go if they stay at Upton Park. And I think that that's uh, probably the major consideration. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, it is a difficult one, you know, it splits the fans, etc. I just hope that, you know, uh, the plans are released very soon and everyone gets to see them and people can make their, their decision, people, fans will get to vote and, and, and we can move on. Uh, and talking about moving on, uh, I know you work at the FA now, uh, you've got your coaching badges. Tell us, what's your role at the FA? Um, well... Uh, I'm, I'm what uh, my, my official title is uh, National Coach Educator, um, NCE for short. Um, I work uh, with, uh, I work at the top level of coach education. So basically, what I do is I teach the coaches, uh, for want of a better way of describing it. So from uh, UEFA Pro license, UEFA A license, UEFA B license, which are our top three qualifications. I actually tutor and deliver those those courses. So uh, there's about six or seven of us in the country that that uh, that are uh, top coach educators, and we work at the highest level, uh, trying to get uh, people qualified uh, um, at pro license, A license, and B license level, so that we can produce better players. So um, 
you know, eventually there'll there'll be some sort of impact on on uh, players because of the coaches that we're producing. And um, you know, even though uh, there's banded around figures of how many coaches there are in Spain, uh, the figures are manufactured in a certain degree. Uh, it's uh, where we're saying that um, the, the qualification here hasn't we haven't got as many coaches as they have in Spain. Well, yeah, that's probably true, uh, but Spain's a lot bigger country than us, uh, and the way they have organised their coach education and the way their uh, coaches are qualified is a, is a different situation to us. And uh, so their figures are sort of not manufactured, but um, not not true in the sense of what uh, what we're trying to achieve here. And I don't think that there's uh, a massive amount of difference in numbers of qualified coaches. Um, what what concerns me more than anything else is that the coaches that we are producing, the young British coaches that we are producing, unfortunately are not getting that much of an opportunity because clubs seem to want to bring in a foreign coach for whatever reason. It seems to be fashionable at the moment. Yeah. And then you've got someone like Phil Parkinson, for example, who's just got a, a, a Bradford City team to a League Cup final. Um, you know, you, you've got the, the, and, you know, Alan Pardew could be classed as a young young manager who's been, you know, reasonably successful wherever he's been. You know, there's a number of uh, uh, British coaches, uh, including, you know, num- numbers of them in the in the Premier League, that uh, you know are not given the recognition that they that they should be given, and unfortunately. Uh, they're not being given the opportunity because it seems like you know we'll bring a, a Jose Mourinho in or a Rafa Benitez in because of who they are, rather than let's try and get someone in from from our country uh, or surrounding countries or British coaches and managers that uh, and give them a chance because I'm sure that we've got a lot of um, uh, potential out there. We've, we've just started our latest pro license course. And uh, um, the two of the people that I'm working with very closely is Chris Powell and Alex Dyer. Uh, Chris, obviously, manager at Charlton, a young young manager coming up. Yeah. Um, got a, a you know working extremely hard. And Alex, of course, uh, not not that long ago was at West Ham as a young coach. So you know we're you know we're, we're trying to uh, promote and help and develop them. Uh, to an area and to a stage where they, they're, they're comfortable going in and working at the highest level with the, the top players. The difficulty is at the moment in, with football in England is it's not about management, it's not about coaching, it's about actually managing players and managing a, a player and trying to get that player or understanding what motivates that player when he's earn, earning £200,000 a week. Yeah. Um, that's, the main, that's the biggest difficulty and that's where people like Alex Ferguson do really well because they've got that experience and they've been in the game a long while and they understand that. And, you know, Arsene Wenger and Harry Redknapp, they deal with players that are earning vast sums of money uh, and manage manage them very, very well. So, I would imagine Sam Allardyce has uh, also, in, in, yeah. you know, used to, got that experience. And as you say, you know, I think it's a shame with Atkins recently uh, being, you know, uh, sacked at, at Southampton. Uh, and uh, as you say, I well, think it, it, the, the problem is, is everybody wants something tomorrow. Yeah, uh, they're not prepared to wait for it, and uh, because of the financial implications and the financial uh, reward, because you know one place in the Premier League higher up will give you X amount more money, um, it seems to be the wrong sort of uh, motivation for a lot of clubs. 
rather than developing uh, the clubs. Take Reading, for example. You know, uh, uh, you know, sort of uh, Brian McDermott at Reading. Uh, if he'd have been at another club, could well not do, uh, could well be without a job uh, because of the way things have been going at Reading. But they're prepared to, to work with him, and they're prefer, prepared to stay with him for the time being to see whether he can actually develop the team from being a championship winning side into a Premier League side um, and without, you know, sort of uh, rushing through. Whereas Nigel Atkins, unfortunately, you know, was, uh, had actually just started to turn things round and now all of a sudden he's given the sack. I mean, there's situations in, you know, in football now where someone will win a, prim- uh, a, um, a European Champions League title and then get the sack. Um, for whatever reason, and it just seems a nonsense, really. It is daft, you know. West Ham had a tradition of having, you know, the same managers for a long period of time, you know, except for, you know, Wenger and uh, Ferguson. You know, it's it's a revolving door, especially at places like Chelsea, and even West Ham lately, it's been more of a revolving door. And sure. you know, it, it seems to be just the first out of the door, with usually a quite hefty payoff as well, which which can't be healthy for the game. Yeah, I mean the, the situation. I mean, if you're if you're a chief executive or if you're a, a chairman of a, a multinational company, and you employ someone to do the job for you, uh, then it's your responsibility that uh, you employ the right person. Now, once you've employed that particular individual, if they fail, then actually it's the person who's employed them is the one that's in the wrong, not the employee. It's the employer because yeah. they've, picked and, uh, they've picked the wrong one. So uh, no chairman gives themselves the sack. They sack the, the, the chief executive or the manager because uh, um, they've not done their job. But actually, it's maybe part of the chairman's fault for selecting the wrong person in the first place. Um, yeah. On average now, it's 14 months to uh, a manager in the Premier League. Yeah, I heard. I heard of that stat. Although I think it was eighteen months when I last heard it from, yeah, from Sam Allardyce. Yeah, down to fourteen months. Yeah, yeah. down to fourteen months. Well, yeah, we won't mention that from Grant. Yeah, uh, we, well, it's a sad indictment indictment on the game, isn't it? That you can yeah. pick someone up and you can you can give someone a job for three years and then sack them after fourteen months or yeah. even less. You know, uh, so I don't know. I think some people sometimes need to need to look uh, higher up when they when they look at managers getting the sack. That maybe it's uh, you know the, the the chairman's responsibility, you know, to employ someone who uh, is better rather than just a name. Employ someone that actually can do the job. Yeah, and and hopefully that's what we've got in Sam. And hopefully Sam will get his. Uh, uh, you know, extension at the end of this season, and you know that he's he's in for the long haul. Um, I do hope that rather than you know. Well, I think I think you couldn't do uh, West Ham couldn't do any worse than Sam Allardyce at the moment, um, uh, and you know with, with the way Sam's going and the way things are going, he's he he will have planned uh, what's going to happen uh, over the next two to three years at least. Yeah. So he'll have a plan in place on where he wants to go and what he wants to do. Uh, what he needs is the opportunity to do that. And I think if, if uh, the West Ham fans can stick by him, I think if the West Ham ball can stick by him, I don't think that you'll see West Ham going down, downwards in a downward spiral. I think you'll see them going in an upward spiral um, because I think Sam's got a terrific ability and just needs an opportunity to be able to do, uh, put that into place. And that's a great soundbite for a place for us to finish. Jeff, uh, West Ham legend... 
Uh, hopefully you get the recognition now because I think you were a good servant to the club. Uh, thanks for being our guest on More Than Just a Podcast. That is my pleasure. Bobby Moore. More Than Just a Podcast. Bobby Moore. More Than Just a Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 